She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie, showing you how to embrace vulnerability and unearth your power within. Hi everyone and welcome back to another season of She Loves Herself, the podcast. So we're not just here for another episode, we are here for another season and I'm absolutely buzzing to be back. Um, I have been recording all week with some incredible guests that I have on for season six. I'm so excited that we're on season six. Um, I was actually thinking it's going to be two years, uh, end of October, beginning of November, the podcast will be two years old. Um, And the time has gone on so fast. And my guest that I have on today um, is fantastic because she was actually um, one of my very first guests on season one. I think she was actually the first person to say yes to being a guest on season one for the podcast. I shared my vision, my dream with her, and she was so supportive. And I think that she's an epic human being and what she is creating in the space that she is in, the way she speaks, um, her authenticity, everything that I absolutely eat, sleep and breathe as a coach in the in the personal development world, um, Holly embodies it too. And I love her for this. Um, so my first guest on season six is the incredible Holly Matthews. So um, God, we do not hold back in this episode. So FYI, if you have children around, you maybe want to either listen to this later or turn the volume down because there's a few swear words I just have to let you know and it's isn't it funny when you're with somebody they speak that way and you're kind of like you just get in that zone of having that chat and oh that's what we were it was almost like we forgot we were being recorded (laughs) but you know I'm not here to make edits we keep this podcast super real and super authentic um, and we just know that the right people get the right message at the right time so um, if you get nothing else from this episode, you will get a laugh for sure. Um, but I know that you're going to get loads. Today we are talking about one of my favourite subjects, non-attachment. We're talking about self-doubt. We are talking about authenticity. We are talking about empowered vulnerability. We're talking about affirmations and when they don't work and how they don't work. Um, it is real. It is real talk from Holly and I. It's an epic episode. We are celebrating Holly not only launching her very first book, her published book, um, but actually reaching number one in an unbelievable amount of categories. So we are celebrating her too um, and the Happy Me Project and what she is doing and what she's creating in this world from a place of truth love and authenticity um so before we go into this episode I want to quickly tell you about something that I am running which is the empowered women so this is the sixth time that I love run the empowered women I love it so much it's incredible it's where I work with six women I take them on a journey for 10 weeks they are coached and mentored by me every week for 10 weeks they work on lessons and various different topics each week. Um, We also create a beautiful podcast together as well at the end of it. And I also have two epic um, experts that come in and deliver masterclasses for the community as well. It's a life-changing course. You go deep with this. There is no surface level. There is no hiding. But I promise you, when you go into this space, everything in your world will change for the better. I have three spaces that are available. So three have gone. I have three spaces available. So if you would like to work with me on a really beautifully deep, safe space for 10 weeks, we start on the 1st of September, guys. So um, just email me at www. No, that's the website. You can, yeah, you can actually apply via the website www.jill-ritchie.com or you can drop me an email hello at jill-ritchie.com I have dropped those details in the show notes of this podcast 
So if you didn't have a pen that you could write that down, that's okay. Go to the show notes, send me an email across and we can have a chat just to see if this could be the fit for you. I'm not going to be running this again this year. So this is the last time that you can work with me this year in this space. So if you have listened before and you've like, I'd really like to do that, now is your time. Do not wait. Um, I've also dropped all of Holly's details and links in the show notes too, because I know that so many of you are going to want to connect with her as well. So without any delay, celebrating season six of She Loves Herself, the podcast with my very first guest of the season, the beautiful Holly Matthews. She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie. So welcome back to She Loves Herself, the podcast, Holly Matthews. <laughs> I'm so excited to be back. I know, honestly, the two of us have been like chat, chat, chatting for the past like nearly 20 minutes. We were like, we need yeah. to start recording. Um, Holly, I am so pleased to have you back because I was saying to um, you when you came on there that you were my very first guest in season one almost mm-hmm. two years ago. almost two years ago so it's such a delight to have you back number one because for many reasons number one I adore what you do I absolutely connect with you as a human being as a sister as a real person talking about real authentic stuff in the world and obviously because you were the first guest I ever had on it really feels special having you back so good two years oh I absolutely love it like I can't believe it's been two years and so much has happened but yeah our conversations because we speak you know we speak periodically on Instagram and message and stuff like that and I see what you're doing you see what I'm doing and it's just been so nice to watch the growth of this podcast and what you're doing and and both of our transformations over the last few years Mm -hmm. and things that we've been doing but two years doesn't feel it's it's like being blinking your miss. It has it's it? blinking your miss. It it has. I and that scares me a bit, right? I was actually mm. thinking about mm. this yesterday, Holly. When I was little, the time used to like years used to take feel like years. Yeah. Now I'm like forty two, and I'm like, oh my god, tell me it's not nearly September. I cannot actually deal with the fact it's September twenty twenty two nearly. No, it's ridiculous. And I thought, weirdly, I thought the same. I was thinking, I mean, I still ridiculously late because, well, I'm not so, I just do. I just do. do I'm, I'm wired. Are you late? Way. Are you a night owl? I'm both. I don't know how that's yeah. happened. I mean, I'm both because I've got kids, probably, but I don't really like lying in either. Um, I think it's just, um, you know, ADHD and never sleeping. I just never have. I just don't remember it being a long time. So I was up to like, you know one half one last night and I was thinking because that's what I do I was pondering life and I just had that moment of and we kind of touched upon this before we came on the podcast about man-made stuff and I suddenly thought I'm 37 and I suddenly thought oh I'm nearly 40 I'm 38 soon I'm like that's am 40 and I'm like that's like you know you might get like to your 80s and like I've had like a chunk of what may be my life like and it was just that moment of like a feeling of like a little bit of dread and not because uh-huh. I don't love my life because I do mm-hmm. I absolutely love my life and I just but I just suddenly had that thought and I calmed it by going time is made up like you yeah. made it up. you decide tomorrow you want to go and do what you want to do but it was that feeling of like it was the societal thing of you're hitting a number which I absolutely never have I really don't remember having done that before but it was suddenly that moment of oh like what we're waiting for here and maybe the pandemic's done that as well because I think Mm. we were waiting for lots of things there to open up things to happen so there was like that moment of standing still and now you know we're moving through that it's like I just suddenly had that moment that realization I think they're good I think they can be powerful moments but also we did make time up so like and what I love about you I've said it just a few minutes ago is how real and authentic you are because I feel like in the industry, there is a lot of real and authentic people for sure, but there's also a lot of inauthenticity, right? And I think that comes from a place of fear as well, right? Fear yeah. of not being good enough, fear of I need to be more like them, or I mm. don't know who I am, I don't know what my identity is, I don't know what my purpose is. Um, and but for you, I feel like there's this real certainty with you. 
that you do know yeah. who you are and maybe maybe I'm wrong but I think no I think I think largely you are absolutely right like I I I think you're in terms of like the industry itself and, and you know this is not calling people out but it's just that you know people in general there's a lot of performative stuff because we think we should look a certain way and I I think I'm lucky in that maybe it's from being an actor from being young maybe I think there's some there's, there's like kind of lots of elements of it that I let go of I made like both caring what people think. I mean, not to to the fullest extent because I'm a human being, and obviously, if I didn't care what people think, I wouldn't get dressed in the morning, would I? So, you know, I do care to an extent, but I don't. When I don't follow a lot of people online, like anyone, I, I, there's a few people that really trigger me because they're so inauthentic and they're huge cultures. They're massive in the industry, and there's a few of them. I literally making it's making me. I can feel the itch. I'm going to itch. Like it makes me itch because like I can see that every, or I can see their wounds and I can see all of their stuff yeah. and I can see the stuff that they're pretending to other people that they don't have and then coaching people on stuff that they haven't worked on. And I can see it and I don't like, I'm quite, maybe it's neurodiversity. I'm, I have ADHD. So there's maybe the, the, a different place of thinking, but also um, I, I'm very, pick up on people's like I can smell bullshit your intuition right? you've got a big <laughs> bullshit radar right oh big I can see it detector it I do that. too I yeah. do too and I've had to really try and work on that because I end up just being like oh that's I pull faces I'm doing the face oh, I can think I, I, I pull faces and then I'm like no and, and I'll always be that person and I don't know if you experience this but I'll be the person that goes Mm, no when I meet people like I'm like, like oh, they're so nice and I'm like no they've, they've got an internal they're rage stuff. I can't deal with and I feel for them but I also I've been on I've had to I've, I've actually had to unfollow some people because mm. I just feel like I am very and I mean it with love but I'll I'll say what I feel so yeah. if someone asks me a question, I'll say it with love. But yeah. I have to say, oh, no, I just, I'm not buying that. I mean, we have to be true to ourselves. And I think that when people like myself and you, and there are others too, for sure, show up authentically expressing like all sides of ourselves. That's the, that's the key. That's what I was just thinking in my head there. That's the key. It's all sides. And actually for us, it's much easier so all sides me and being, I am a hot mess a lot of the time, yeah. more than I'm not. And I actually think that me expressing that, and I try to as much as possible, I, I'm really conscious of like public image because it can be, you know, I do nice things like you do. I do nice speaking events or TV or radio and or, or associated with people that have a, a higher status or whatever. And so it can be this really glossy image if I'm not careful. And, and same with you, if you're not careful, all of the nice things that we do can blend into appearing like the full picture when they're like a percent of the picture. But the majority is utter chaos. Like my house is a mess. I'm a mess. Like I, I you know, like I, I don't oh. pretend to be anything else. Like I am a flawed human being. I will talk very openly about the fact that I'm a person that is quick to temper. If I'm not on top of it, I'm impatient. I'm completely impulsive and have to like stop myself going a hundred miles an hour because I break things all of the time and it's infuriating and I piss myself off. So I, I think the different, and also humor is a huge part and being from Scotland and being from Newcastle, it's part of our psyche to yeah. take the piss. And Banter. I think banter, taking the piss, not taking yourself seriously, but also taking, you know, taking yeah. some, something seriously, but also being okay with going, listen, it's okay. Like to own all of your shadow self as yeah. well, like, all of your mess. Like when you do, you take away the power from the shame, from the guilt, from other people's opinions. I couldn't give a shit what people, I, I really mean that. Like in, I heard somebody talking about this and maybe this is something that I'm just like absolutely like butchering what they said, but it's stuck in my head. I don't know where I saw it. It was probably YouTube or TikTok of me, but it was somebody expressing, I thought that's absolutely it. If you've got an understanding of who you are, 
somebody can say something to you and it doesn't touch the side. And the way they described it, it's probably been used loads before, but they described it as saying, if somebody said to you, Joe, you've got blue hair, you would go, no, I don't. And you would be completely confident in your research that you don't have blue hair right now. And you wouldn't be, there would be no question about yeah. that. You wouldn't even feel the need to argue with, well, no, I haven't got blue hair. That'll be it. Yeah. Now, if we turn that on to somebody going, you're shit at what you do, or you're ugly, or you're fat, or whatever, if you can really know yourself, then somebody can say all of that stuff, and it literally bounces off you because it you're like, no, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. And I think largely I'm there. I'm sure there's, there's absolutely chinks that would get in, and I'd probably want to go straight to temper. Um, and that's work that I have to do all of the time. But I'm largely there in that if somebody, for example, although I don't get a lot of it, if somebody were to put the, like a shitty comment about something I've done on online or whatever, I wouldn't think, oh, this is me, I should change, I should mold, I should adapt, I should change who I am, I should drop everything I'm doing because of this, which I often see with a lot of my clients will feel like that. Um, I don't think that. What I think is simply this. Hmm that's interesting like that that's mm. all I think I just think that's interesting I wonder why they've come to that conclusion because I don't feel that about myself and mm. it's not that I don't have any self-doubt because I'm a human being but I just I live in a space now and, and I think one because I was an actor I've grown up I think you let go of a lot of stuff and a lot of like barriers that other people might have because you have to strip back a lot and you have to be in touch with your emotions and have an awareness of your physical self as well as your emotional self that probably taught me a lot my husband dying at such a young age also stripped back a lot of stuff because I was like you know that's the most painful thing that's happened to date in my life like really your shitty comments or the fact that you know it's hard to do something like that just doesn't touch the sides of that experience and so I can let go of stuff and and I think as well that not taking your you're not having too big an ego is a big thing because mm-hmm. those often those coaches that we're talking about and again I'm not just I'm certainly not naming anybody but calling people out but when I'm seeing people do when we see that kind of performative people pleasing trying to mold myself into what I think a coach looks like or what I think this a woman looks like or I think a man looks like, when we're trying to do that often it's because our we're so in our ego we're so in what we want it to look like and the minute somebody says something or chinks that armor they can't take it and I think I don't I don't think I'm that important but I'm also very important in the same way everybody is but I don't take myself too seriously life is a stupid fucking game and I think if we can recognize all you know we touched upon the rules and social norms and stuff like if we can recognize how silly that is like how ridiculous like we made all of these rules up for ourselves and then we argue about those rules or you know we're looking at the the cost of living crisis we're looking at wars in different countries when you strip that back and recognize what we're doing there like that's insane like we've put prices on things and then we've priced ourselves out of having the things that's fucking ridiculous that stuff's all there still anyway. Our skills are all there. We can have all of the stuff if we stop, like, trying, if we spread it out properly. Mm-hmm. And then if you think about, like, wars, I've always, there, there, was a, there was a YouTube video I saw years ago that was, like, a really quick version of where all of the, the boundaries of countries had changed, and you just watched all of these boundaries. When you consider what that is, it is literally... A man, and I was going to say man or woman, it's a man, it's a man, it's not women, I'm sorry, like men, I'm not like some kind of like rabid, like lunatic that hates men, I love men, but a man came along, stuck a flag in a bit and went, this is my bit, this is my bit, don't touch it, it's my bit, and then someone else went, well this is my bit and you're not having my, well I want a bit of your bit, it's ridiculous, what are we doing, what are we doing? It's so annoying. I cannot watch the news. Like I walked past Daryl the other yesterday. I'd been recording with someone last night and then I came out and he was watching Rishi. Can't even see it. I mean, Rishi. Uh, and doesn't the matter. Other it's just this, people matter. will be horrified when they listen to me saying this. I don't even know her name. I don't know no. her name. I do not watch it. And it's just like this bitch fight between the two I'm like they're so mean to each other I'm like I am out of here I'm away to bed I do not entertain it the ego is 
wild what are the what the fuck are we fighting for like this fight and hatred and I just I cannot allow my I cannot allow that to penetrate me no I can't cope with people will people will think and I've had this before like people will think it's ignorance I'm not ignorant you're not ignorant I'm aware of those things and it's not like I'm opting out of society like I you know I'll pop to Aldi, I'll do the things. Like I, I'm still doing normal stuff, but equally there are protections we can put in place for ourselves. And so, well, I'm just not playing the game. I'm not going to watch no. the news and get sucked in to being scared because Better that's all it does. Angry, angry, scared. Everybody's the other to like. No, they're and not. And you're like, fighting with your family members over it. It's like yeah. no, no, everyone's fighting. I'm just like, nah, not happening, not today. Don't no. even entertain it. As I said, I don't even know her name. That's so bad. But I think, I don't even, do you know, is it is it so bad? Because it's the same old, same old. And, that, and I've never been one. Like, I've always been super into politics over the years. I grew up in, you know, uh, my dad was a shop steward. I was very, like, left-leaning, union family. Like, we would get out on marches. We were always, like, you know, I, I was taken out to marches when I was a young kid to fight, whether it was anti-racism or, you know, some political thing. Or We, we always were. And I don't think there's, any, I think there's something really powerful in that. But I think you've also got to really be mindful of where you are at emotionally and what you have to give. In fact, this morning I was talking in the Happy Me Project membership about um, refilling your cup. You know, we hear that said. But that refilling of your cup, you know, rebooting your energy also comes down to boundaries that you have in place for yourself, including mm-hmm. I do not have to give to this particular cause today. And I can't because I don't have anything in me to give to that. Yeah. And certainly I think during 2020, when there was a lot of political activism, which was really powerful and a lot of it was really good, but there was also a lot of cancelling of other people. There was a lot of calling people out for not talking about that stuff when you have no fucking idea where somebody is at in their emotional space. Yeah. And I had that a lot actually. And I ended up posting something and I have always been massively anti-racist. Like I've always been an ally, I've always been that person. And I mean that from really young. And I ended up, I was in a chaotic space in my own home with lots of, you know, fighting a lot of my own personal fires during that time, as many people were. And somebody that followed me called me out for not talking about the George Floyd stuff at the time. And I was really triggered because I do see myself as somebody who has always stood up for people of colour, who's always been, I've always understood my own privilege as a skinny white woman. Like, I get it. Like, I get I've got privilege to an extent, right? Because mm. like, it still came from a working class background. I still got a Geordie accent. Don't tell me that there's there's all privilege there either. No, but yeah. I understand all of that stuff. And I ended up posting something. And it was really nice post. There was nothing wrong with it. I still stand by everything I said in it. But I felt pushed into writing that because of other people going, well, I think you should have said something more by now because you have a platform. And what I really don't like about that is that kind of pushing people into a space where their cup might not be full enough for them to deal with what they yeah, have to deal with because fair. of that. It's I think it's just, it's, it's, and we're it's just giving, you know, giving our power away mm. to others. And it's that attachment thing. I talk about this a lot, really practicing non-attachment because yes. when we are attached to what people think, then we act from a place of fear a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't serve ourselves. We don't fill up our cup. And I want to talk to you because I know God, you and I could talk for hours. But I want to <laughs> talk to you about the Happy Me Project because yeah. when I remember a couple of years ago, you also came on and did masterclass for me. I was in San Diego yeah. at the time and I had a group in, with Lynette and you came mm-hmm. on and did uh, an amazing masterclass. And it was all about, you know, the Happy Me Project. And I don't know how long you'd been running it then actually. Was it really? I don't think I had. It must have been really. I think it may have just been starting it. No. So the Happy Me Project as a membership, as it is now, wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing. What I had was a Facebook group that had had been a bit redundant. I'd been doing, I had a course. The Happy Me Project course was the original thing. It was like a standalone course. So I had that from 2017. So that was a thing. But then I then went on and did workshops around the country and did 16 sellout dates of the Happy Me Project around the UK. And didn't get to Scotland, which was a shame. 
Um, and I did, I did those dates. And then um, during lockdown, my way of giving back was to, to reignite the Facebook group for the Happy Me Project, which is a free open Facebook group. It hadn't really been used for much. It was a bit redundant at the time. And I'd, I decided that my way of giving back during lockdown was, look, I'm just going to show up there live. I'm going to talk about the stuff we'll talk about. That's my way of giving back. It's also a way of serving myself because I feel I'm a person that in terms of crisis likes to do like I need to do I'm an action taker I'm like I'm frontline like in 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 daily life I can't fucking function like in daily like ask me to do the washing I'm gonna flop on the floor I can't do it <laughs> I can't do the washing but if you if there's an actual crisis I'm there get me involved put me at the front yeah, I'm in tag me in I'm there so in time in, during the lockdown I was like in, initially not as we got further down I was as dreamed as anybody else but initially I was like right let's go so I, I went in the happy me project Facebook a lot now what I found happened after that was I just recognized that people need a daily touch point it's the same as going to the gym and every time I was working with clients or with people in sort of one-off programs they'd get to the end of the program like I've learned so much I've got so much out of this and then that was like it well, that's it now and, oh, and they wanted that regular thing. So I knew that a membership, a paid membership would be something that would come in. The only reason I kind of dillied and dallied about it was because of price point, because I, and it's not because I don't know my worth and all that like stuff. Like, I'm, it's not about that. It's about the fact that the work that I do, I want to reach a bigger, a, a bigger space. I don't want to just go, all right, it's going to be 1,997.97. Um, for this one thing right like this trick in nobody is too grand right <laughs> it's too grand to stop it, stop so it. Funny. right I, yeah. I'm not I'm not I didn't want to do that because I knew as soon as I see that I'm like Meh. like who who coached you like it just <laughs> I'm not quite I know I'm being like I'm being well bitchy at that because I've probably I've definitely done that 47.97 I've definitely done those right so I'm not I'm only joking but I just wanted to make sure that it was like something that a lot of people could actually access because I wanted it to be like a gym, like going to the gym, like for your mind, a regular touch point where you are actually doing it. Because we know the stuff that we talk about, sometimes you feel repetitive, but it's the repetition that's needed Uh over and over again. You don't go to one bloody Zumba class and go, well, that's me done now. I've done Zumba, completed. You don't, Uh you go back, you do you know, you do. Oh, do you like jello? <laughs> yes, please. Can we have jello's body? Can I have jello's body? Is there I'm anyone listening? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But this is the thing, right? And I think so. I think if we can think about our minds in the same way, so the Happy Me Project membership came off the back of that, and then I think we spoke about you. We must have in 2020. So in 2020, I got my book deal in the middle of it did did we speak had I got it when we spoke I don't know if I had I I don't know if you had when we first spoke when you came on the podcast I don't Mm. know if you had then I don't think I had because what happened during lockdown as I was going like I knew I wanted to write a book I had it on my wall that I was going to write a book that was part of the plan and I also knew that I wanted to get a publisher a big publisher I didn't want it to be self-published thing nothing against that it's a quicker route to market it really has its benefits but I just knew that actually I wanted the credibility of another a a bigger publisher somebody bigger than me yeah Yeah. and I've never done it before and so I wanted some guidance in how to actually do the writing process and so I put that out into the world talked about it said I was writing a proposal and I talked about it and because I spoke about it spoke about it on Instagram somebody messaged me called Holly so just put it out there, it's like attracting Hollies into my world. Mm-hmm. And I probably only noticed her in my inbox because she's called Holly. She messaged me and said, would I work for Bloomsbury Publishing? Would you like to send me your proposal? And I was like, Bloomsbury, like as in actual, like Harry Potter Bloomsbury Publishing. I nearly threw my, like, I looked at my phone thinking, is it Bloomsbury? Have I got mixed up? Like, is she, is this someone like some type Like Prado and Steady Prado. <laughs> yeah, is this Bloomsbury? Does Holly work at Bloomsbury? Anyway, Holly didn't work at Bloomsbury. I've realised it's Bloomsbury. I've thrown my phone across the room. So that's what I do in terms of like, like, getting in a moment. A moment. Yeah, I'm like, okay, shit, Bloomsbury want you to put your proposal. So I went through that process. To end of 2019, that was starting to happen. Then lockdown hit. And I did, it was all like quiet because nobody knew what was happening, all of that. And I let go, that attachment that you talked about, yeah. there was no attachment to this because I knew I would make it happen. I didn't know how, 
I just thought I'll work it out. That's my mm. thing on everything. I'll work it out. Marie Folios, everything is figure out, right? Same. You work a path. You'll okay, find a yeah, we always do. I'm like the, you know, the, the weed through the concrete. Like that's that's how I feel like sometimes, and right. that's what we can do. No wonder I like you so much. There's, there's just lots me. of connections. Yeah, we find a route. We will. We'll scrap our way through. Totally. You're like, route. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'll just no idea. But it, but actually, that honesty is part of that. You know, authenticity that you talked about. I don't have all the answers, but I know what I want, and I'm going to find the route to the thing without the attachment that yeah. oh, it's got to be this way. And so I went into it with that mindset. And then during lockdown, I'd have like an email off this editor. She'd be like, oh, could you send me this? And I sent her something. And then there was nothing. And, and again, I'm dealing with lockdown. I'm fucking homeschooling and whatever that was, like whatever I was doing there. So we're, we're doing that. And then she was like, I'm, sit- I'm just sitting down with the finance team. And I'm like, I've never done this before. So these things aren't like triggering massive excitement because I don't know what the process is. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I'm sat in my email and um, sat down to my laptop and I get an email that comes in and just titled offer. And I'm like, oh. okay, I've got an offer from Bloomsbury. Oh my oh, God, I've got an offer. Yeah. It was like such a dopamine rush like uh, you know it's yeah. coming from an acting background it's the same feeling of like your agent ringing and saying you've got the part like it's just a high mm-hmm. and so during lockdown I was writing that book and the book really genuinely came from those lockdown lives that I was doing because I was dealing with people in real time I'm saying it's the same as you do you know I'm seeing the same fucking problems come up for people we are all the same we're all scared yeah none of us know what we're doing we've all got self-doubt and confidence issues and anxiety stuff and we're all just trying to navigate it and so my work with the happy me project has always been how can it be the lowest hanging fruit because we don't want complicated when we're in our shit we we don't have space for it i don't have space for somebody to sit and lament to me about some deep psychological thing that like I'm like I'm having a fucking panic attack just give me something to try <laughs> so I don't feel like I'm Tell gonna die just give me something and, and it's about like again I don't have all of the answers you don't have all of the answers of course we don't but what we can do is give people enough tools that they can take that power and go right I'm gonna try this and I'm gonna try that and when I wrote the happy me project book I knew one you know, firstly, I have the attention span of a gnat. I know that I do, and I want to flick. And when I read, I will pick up a book and look straight in the back because I've like got this natural rebellion. I'm not reading the front because you've told me to read it. That way I'll look at the back or I'll look in the middle. So with the Happy Me project, I was like, right, 60 chapters. Each chapter is going to be four pages long, short, sharp, to the point. Yeah. Loads, of, loads of humor chucked in the middle of it my own experience so I can show I'm in the weeds with everybody else I'm wading through it as well and on your team and then just giving people stuff to do so each chapter you've got like actionable things for you to try and I again I don't I'm not saying that if you do all of these things you will have the key to a fucking happy life I can't give you that it has to be your unique experience but what I can say is within my work, within the Happy Me Project group, there are loads of tools for you to try, loads of different, you know, thoughts and, and, and techniques that you can give a go. And I, I'm fairly confident that you will find some things in there, some nuggets that you like. Uh, that's the thing that pulls you yeah. through. And, and that's all it's about, isn't it? And so the Happy Me Project has really evolved, but the messaging has always been self-development doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Mm-hmm. the thing is it's not it's really <laughs> freaking simple I'm not yeah. saying it's easy because depending no. on your circumstances your mm. belief systems your conditions and all the programs it isn't easy but it is really simple and it is consistency for me yeah. it's being consistent it's showing up it's doing the work when people say oh yeah I tried that meditation it didn't work <laughs> yeah. I'm like mm. no. did you please continue <laughs> just keep going or you know journaling I don't really know what to write and and I think people just are are almost looking for someone just to knock on the door and hand it to them a golden ticket yeah but it, yeah. it doesn't work like that and we do need to take 100% responsibility but for anyone listening to this that is at that journey don't let me by me saying that don't let it put you off because no. I think when someone says well you need to take responsibility you're like oh piss off I don't know I don't yeah, want to yeah. do that it's too hard 
actually when we think about that 100 even that number 100% we think big number can't mm. do it but if we break it down to little things a sm- one small thing even every day like Huge. I love that you said was it four pages in a chapter four pages that's it you can read that I love that yeah I love that because it keeps it interesting it keeps you wanting to go to the next chapter and the next chapter yeah. and, and you can and you're taking the pressure off yourself you, you can read that on the toilet like I like I genuinely again pick not even when you read it you can pick mm. up pitch and I you I've said scribble on it write on it take notes on it it's it's supposed to be you know used it's I don't want it to be shelf help and you're going to stick it on the shelf and not look at it like I want it to be actually you using it and I think it's really important the things that you were saying there about those tiny tweaks. Like I've got a whole chapter on, on on that kind of thing, mixing it up, tiny tweaks, tiny moments. And what I would also say as well is sometimes the word consistency can feel like a big word. And so I always have changed it because I've let go of the fact I'm not very consistent. I'm not. As a person, I'm very spontaneous. I like to do things differently and I can get bored very easily. So I've changed it to, and if for people that are listening, that word somehow feels like judgment, because I think sometimes I can feel judgy, can't it? Even though we don't mean it in that way. If we can change it to persistence, so not, you can't be consistent, but you can be persistent. That means showing up all of the time. That you come back. And you you actually, it is a renewable source, persistency. Because actually what I love about what you said there is, I'm, it's funny what you say consistency. I always say when people talk about like your brand and I am, I am consistently inconsistent, Holly. Me too, me too. I'm consistently inconsistent. So I'm consistent at being inconsistent. But I love that you, what the word that you just said there, say it again. Persistent. So, so you can be, you might not be consistent, but you can be persistent. You can get back up, you can try again. Is that you that is a renewable yeah. source and so yeah. if you think about it as persistent suddenly it's the language that we use and one yes. sense doesn't fit all and I was speaking to someone the other day about this about affirmations mm. and how people will say I am I am so if someone is like really struggling with money and they say I'm a millionaire it just, just doesn't land because their subconscious can't take yeah. that so I have a huge thing about affirmations and I I, I can't stand it when I hear people coaches just, just saying, because I love affirmations, but there's a way to use them. And yeah. you have to get your, you can stretch what your subconscious is going to accept. You can't bullshit. I can't sit here and say, I am a millionaire and my subconscious is going to go, oh, I'm going to attract. My brain can't get on board with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. a millionaire. So but, but I can't, you've never, you've not got a fiver in the bank. What are you on about? Yeah. And that's why people you're switch off because you're scared, babe. Like people start like that's. But what I can say is that I attract money to me. I can get on board with yeah. that. I'm, I'm, open. I'm open. I'm open. Yeah. Every day I get more comfortable with money. Every day I learn I'm about money. Learning about it. Learning. I'm making friends with it. And if we, yeah. I uh, an affirmation. I remember leaving corporate like five years ago and shitting myself because I was like I have no income now and I've got this big mortgage and two kids and I the fear of money and not Mm. having it was like oh my god what am I going to do and of course the brain goes into the worst case scenario like we're going to be evicted from our house and and I knew I needed to work on this and I worked with a coach um T Harvecker and he wrote this book the secrets of the millionaire mind but I knew I had to work with someone really on it yeah and he was so great and he was a straight shooter, which I love because mm. that's how I sort of take a lot on. And he had said that, like about using the language around it. Yes. To, like making friends with money. Like I used to say, mm. like, money is my friend. I enjoy getting to know her. I was like, so weird, right? So some people are like, what are you on about? But for me, I like connecting well, with people. So, so it was like, to, to, was to like, make yeah, I like making friends. I like yeah. connecting and getting to know people. That That feels good. And honestly, it worked for me. That affirmation worked for me. So I guess what we're saying here is like affirmations, making sure that you use the things that resonate with you and anything yeah. else, like give it time, right? Don't give say it I tried time. Yeah. it didn't work. You know, give well, it give time. yourself, I think you have to, you have to align with it. You can stretch yourself a bit, but like I talked about this in terms of body confidence or body, you know, how you feel about your physical self and like, I really detest it when I hear coaches saying, 
stand, you know, just if you feel lacking in confidence, you need to stand and naked in front of a mirror saying, I am beautiful. Well, when you're in absolutely like, when you can't stand the way you look, that's not going to help you because your subconscious is going to be like, I'm a disgusting monster. Like I was there when I was growing up, I had, I had huge body dysmorphia, grew up on television, all of that stuff really made me hate the way I looked. Somebody said that to me in those moments. I mean, I could do it now because I do love my body. I do love myself. I'm comfortable with myself massively. And the bits I'm not comfortable with, I'm okay with, like I'm still okay with. But I couldn't have done it then. But what I could do is say, I am okay. Like I could say that, and that was better. And that sounds like a really sad book. Even I am now. kind. I am kind. You are I, kind. I'm yeah. Caring. Those these, words. Those were much more nurturing than what I was saying. I think language to me, like that's everything. Like all of my work has been around words. Like I'm a word nerd, and I really, really, it matters how we talk to ourselves. It matters how we talk about situations. It matters how we frame those situations with the words, and we get to self-correct because there'll be lots of people thinking oh shit I use that or I do that or like I talk a lot about when my mum will often describe situations that are slightly mildly inconvenient as a nightmare she'll say I've had a nightmare today that firstly just makes me feel fucking sick the minute she says it I'm like oh who died of cancer like that's where my brain goes because that's how I feel like somebody's ill somebody's like that like Mm -hmm. she doesn't mean it in that way that's just her extreme version language but unfortunately, she lives in that space of heightened, like, panic because of that language. She doesn't necessarily know that that's the case, but she often frames things in that way. And I hear it with clients. But if you notice that you do that and you exaggerate or catastrophize situations with your words, just see if you can just soften the language. Is it a nightmare or is it, a, is it really frustrating or is yeah. it mildly frustrating or is it I've had a bit of a had a bit of a challenging I guess I challenge it a lot because challenge you can rise to a challenge like challenging is always a good one for me I I often don't say problem or struggle though I have used these on here and I instantly like hear myself say it because I am really conscious of the words that I use but know that if you say them and you hear it and you think oh is that helping me you can then go no I'm going to change it I'm going to stop rewind I'm going to say it's not a nightmare it's a bit challenging today and actually, that might just shift your perspective of what's going on. I love that. I love that. And it is, again, it's really giving the power back to you, the individual, because we often, even, you know, when people will come, they, they look to you to fix them or, you know, you, you know better than me. And I always say to people, my job is to allow you to see the power that you hold within it's to give it back to you I can give you all of the tools and everything that I've learned and embodied for sure and you take what you need from that but find your way and never ever think that anyone knows what's best for you more than you people can mentor you people can coach you and they have experience make sure that if you are working with someone that you work with someone that you fully just get that gut feel that they've done the work they resonate with me. I feel safe and supported by this person. Yeah. But a good coach or mentor will really help to empower you yeah. through non-attachment. I actually, I started a, a course, right? And it was a, a sex and intimacy training I was doing for a year. And I actually pulled out of it after the first week. It was an American company. I spent a lot of money on it. And there was something that just didn't feel quite right before I signed up. And I was like, I think this is just fear, Jill, because it's new and it's sex and intimacy. Because I really wanted to work with, you know, couples in that space and stuff. And But the first week, it was just, there were so many red flags. And one of the ones that really stood out for me was they said, in front of all of these people, you it's really important that you create attachments with your clients so that your client feels attached to you. And I what? couldn't believe what I was hearing because I thought this what? is so wild that... Like some codependent relationship with your yeah, client. That's so yeah, weird. it was so weird. And I'm like, that I have to come out of this because for there was other reasons, but that was like <laughs> one of the main ones. Wow. And I thought, I don't care how much money I'm losing. There is no way it's, it's so out of integrity for me because mm. it is about empowering you. 
the client. You want your clients to fly. Like you want your clients not, I mean, you know, the, in terms of my membership, it's different because within the membership space, it's that check-in like a gym. So that's just yeah, yeah. regular checking. But if I'm working with a client one-on-one, I don't want them staying with me for years and years because I'm not, then I'm not empowering them at all. What I've become is their mom. Like yeah. I've got kids. They're challenging enough, right? Um, you know, I don't, and that's not helping your clients. And I think as well in, in the, the space is that kind of guru worship where people get a platform and that's why I always talk about, like, I ain't the guru of shit. Like, I am not anybody's, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I don't have all the answers. I'm not the fucking oracle of anything. Like, I'm just not. Because I don't want people to have any kind of attachment to just getting their power from me. What can you let go of? What can you just go? Do you know what? This is actually taking too much of my energy, and I don't have to do it. Let it go let it go we have to give ourselves permission sometimes to go do you know what i'm striving and struggling and attaching and pushing and pushing and it's exhausting me and i'm actually getting nowhere what and, and i always go back to this because it was a a counselor many years ago said this to me and i think about it it lives rent free in my head forever and i can't even remember her name and our rest of our sessions probably weren't even that good but this one thing she gave me this one golden question and it was, what happens if you do nothing? What happens if you do nothing? What happens if you don't grasp, you don't push, you don't try and micromanage every situation or every relationship? What happens if you do nothing and you just let things be? There's something really wonderful in that. And I talk about it in my book. I've got a chapter around doing nothing and talking about you know you imagine a snow globe right mm. which is hard to say in my accent snow globe right snow globe. you shake <laughs> the snow globe and that's our chaos of our life sometimes we're chasing everything everything's all like chaotic mm-hmm. when you put that snow globe down and you let it settle to the bottom you can see clearly right and that's the same with us like sometimes yeah. we just need to stop stop Set an intention for yourself. And that might just be, I just need a break. I need to, I need to work out my next steps. You know, me, me and you talked just before about finding a route. You can't find the route when everything is coming at you. You can't yes. see straight. So stop right now. If you're listening to this and you're like, I am fully in my chaos right now and I, I feel really overwhelmed, the, the best thing you can do is press pause and take that moment. And I know you've done this over the last year as well. Like you've taken time off social media, you've taken time out. And I can see that that's had an impact on on your work as well and, and how you feel about things. Like you've been able to create that route for yourself, but that wouldn't have happened if you just kept pushing. No, you can't. You just, it just you're in your head too much. Yeah. When you're pushing, you're in your head too much and nothing flows. And there's just so much resistance and fear and chaos. It's just bullshit. Trust your gut. If your gut's yeah. telling you, you need to pause, you need to take a break, do it, do it. And the more that we can start to trust our gut, the more that we can start to go inward and trust ourselves, we build that muscle, that trust muscle within. And then suddenly within a millisecond, we can drop into it and we're like, I know the answer to that. That's a full body yes, that's a full body no, and we're non-attached. But it just takes a little bit of practice every single day. How can you fill up your cup each day? How can you understand that actually you are the priority because everything else is a byproduct of how you're showing up for yourself? So, and that's what you said earlier. Everything's a kind of byproduct of how you're showing up for yourself, the people, the situations, life. So when it has to start with you, how can you start to show up for yourself more? And it sounds like everything that people need to really navigate through this is in the Happy Me Project book, which I want to congratulate you on, by the way. I know, when you were on your reign again. And it got number one. May I like I have like I've got high self-esteem so it's not like I'm like sitting here when I didn't have any like expectation for it but firstly in the again in the coaching space you often hear number one bestseller I'm gonna just be really brutally honest most people that have a number one bestseller it's because they sold it for about a penny and they're number one bestseller in one category and that's 
fine. I'm not, I'm not saying they didn't do fucking amazing writing a book, right? But when you hear a number one bestseller all, all the time, it ceases to have meaning. Like I've been a number one bestseller in another book for that. But that's not what happened, which was like, what basically happened is I, my book was released. I don't know what the date was, but the day before I did Lorraine Kelly, I went on, chatted to Lorraine within like the hour of me being on the show. They'd had 500 pre-orders for the book, 500 in the in the first hour of that like session, which is insane. Like that just shows you the power of using, you know, you know, media and stuff like that. And at, about an hour afterwards, I was getting the, the car. They sent me a car to get home, and I'm sat in the car. My editor sent me a screenshot. That'll do. And it has gone to number one in all the group categories. Like I'm sat there thinking, oh, it might get to like a top 10 in a category, like maybe stress or maybe anxiety or like, you know, maybe get to one of like a top 10 in those. It goes to number one across all books, like number one, like that's okay. fucking mental. Like, and I, I mean, again, I feel like I'm like doubting myself when I say this, but I don't think I had an expectation of it if it going to number one in that way. And then also charting really high for quite a while. I mean, it'll have dropped now to August and, and it'll pick up at certain points. But like the response to it was so great. And, you know, over the last couple of months, it came out in June. I'm now getting people finishing reading it and I'm getting people who, you know, just started it. And every day I'm getting messages, honestly, Joe, like, I know we get this in our work, but there's just something really like fulfilling in somebody taking a word and actually putting them into action. And, you know, I've had just yesterday, I was looking through, it's nice to reflect on those things. I really try to, the impact of, you know, people sending me messages saying, I've been, I've read your book in straight away in June powered through it because it is an easy read like I, it's I taught I write it I write how I talk so it's very easy and um, although they made me take the squares out so there'll be a lot of like crap and like hell and bs written in it um, but what you what you know that I actually mean is motherfucker because yeah. I'm disgusting swearer like which is terrible and um, but that's that's how I converse um but like just getting messages off people like yesterday I had a girl like messaging me saying like this book has helped me more than any counseling session, any CBT session. And I've been in therapy for years. And over the last month in using your book, I have changed so much of my thought process around it. And I really genuinely think, because again, I don't have an ego around myself. I think it's the way sometimes that somebody says it to you cuts yeah. through the, the judgment. I am really never, ever, ever judging people in my work. How on earth could I judge people when I know my own chaos? I'm not judging. All I'm doing is going, maybe try this, maybe try this, give this a shot. Studies have shown this as well. Why don't we try this? But also, if none of it aligns with you, then just keep getting back up, babe. You're going to be sound. Like, we will get through this. And I think sometimes we just need to hear it said in a different way. And it's been really nice to, even within the spaces that we are in, I've had other, you know, friends who are in, in this space have read it and said, and one of my friends in particular, she's a trained um, psychologist and has been doing the work and been in counselling and such since she was a really young kid. She's very immersed in this world. And she was like, mate, like, this is really, really good. And I feel like even though some of the topics you're covering have been discussed a lot within self-development, you are seeing it in a different way. And that, to me, mm-hmm. is just it. And there was one um, there was one review before it had come out, like one of the early readers, and it was my favourite one because she said, um, you've made me feel like you when I read this I loved it because it didn't make me feel like I was stupid and I thought that's so like that's it like I don't want you to feel like you're you don't get it or you're not part of our you can't sit with us like fuck that like you're not enlightened enough you're not enlightened you just you're not enlightened enough you just need to be more empowered like if you were more enlightened like me like none of that like and but I you won't that's... get it at the start. I remember reading yeah. Power of Now five years ago with by a yeah. you know, I can read that now and I'm like awesome. Get it. Yeah. At the time I was like, What are you even talking about? 100%. I'm like, I yeah. don't know what you're talking about. Whereas for, for you, what and what people you are impacting people all over the world with the work you're doing. Why? Because you're adding value with what you're sharing, but it's you. It's your words. It's your authenticity. It's your relatability, Holly. And that's what people love. Relatability, vulnerability, not just vulnerability, but empowered vulnerability. And that's That's what you display. 
empowered vulnerability and that's a big thing that that there is actually really interesting because i saw somebody yesterday talking about you know when when people are crying online and sharing vulnerability and this is going to sound a bit um controversial but i don't love it um I, and it's not that like, not always it depends because i think there's performative crying online and i think there's actual just this has happened while i'm talking and i'm I, there's a difference raw. This is raw and it's real, and you can. I feel like you can sense you the can difference. Say, if you're in, and we all have intuition, but we if do. you're connected enough to ourselves, we can sniff it out. Yeah, we know if it's that's raw, and you feel it. You're like, ah, I feel this for you right now because yeah. you're right in it, and you didn't come on here just with a picture of yourself crying. You've came on and yeah. you've spoken, and you've just broken down, and I'm holding space for you, and you feel the difference, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Again, that's that. a difference and I think that's when you you know that, that vulnerability of like empowered vulnerability is the key isn't it because I can come on and I can tell my story and I can tell it in a you know using language that's really unempowered for me and I can be really sad and everybody will still hold space for that they will go oh that's really sad things that have happened and it must be really hard but it's doing nothing for me to move forward and it's not helping anybody else and so I'm always conscious, like, what am I sharing? One, you know, I'm also protective of certain areas of my life. I'm protective of my children. I'm, I'm also protective of those of, around me that are part of my story but might not want to be in the public eye. And I, I do get that. I've learned that. I think I didn't get that. Sometimes in back in the day when I first started out in the online space, I think I ran amok and I didn't really realize the impact sometimes me sharing my own stuff would have on other people I have definitely kept a private space for myself now and people get most of me but they don't get all of me like they don't get my personal conversations and things that are really true That's to me I think the holy isn't it a boundary. and I don't think I had that in the past and I think I then felt really exposed and I think that's the difference but within it's interesting because writing a book is very different to me chatting about stuff and there was definitely like a hangover of sharing such and again it's not like a really exposing book the stuff I've talked about before largely not all of it some of it was new to people but um I think there's a a new vulnerability when it's in the written word because somebody is going to read that and interpret that through their own filter and I'm not there to correct or to talk or to what I meant by that was this yeah so like my my dad read it early doors like my dad was a my dad a safe reader what we call in in that world a safe reader like one he's he's actually really good at writing and he does read and obviously he knows me, so he's not going to be a twat to me about it if it was if it wasn't written very well. But he read it as one of the early drafts of of where it was at, and he said to me, "It's really good. Like it's really, really, really well written, and I love the way that you've written it. I think it's really, um, it, it suits who you're talking to. Like I can hear. Obviously, my dad is a, uh, you know, sixty odd year old bloke. He's not really necessarily written for him." still got loads from it he said so it's not but it the tone of voice isn't um but he was like totally get that he said as a reader it's excellent it's really well written as a dad it's really hard to read mm-hmm. it's really hard to read your experience because for some of those situations I was there and I didn't see it from that perspective and I didn't know and I feel the parental guilt for not understanding and I had to say to him you know like that's part of the process for me as a woman it's part of the process and we have to as parents as well we cannot walk our children's walk forever like we can hold their hands and we can be there we can't know their experience you know we, we can't know their experience and most parents most are doing the best that they can and they will and we will still mess up like we will still mess up you know, I put it in my book and my 11 year old has read some of, not all of my book. And she read the introductions, probably the longest bit because I'm introducing who in the goddamn hell I am and why am I writing a book? Um, and it kind of references certain key points that have happened that have been challenges in my life. And, and Brooke, when she read it, she was like, it's kind of sad, isn't it? And I was like, well, yeah, but not all of it. Like they're the like moments that have shifted things. And then there was a point in it where I say, you know, as a parent, I'm probably, I'm constantly have parent guilt where I'm worrying that I'm messing my kids up in a way that Mm. I don't even know yet. And she's just like, no, no, you're not. And I'm like, 
I am though. Like, and that's something that, again, goes back to attachment. I have to let go of the attachment because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing the best that I can and that won't always be good enough. And the same with our parents. They did the best that they could. Even the ones, even those of you are like, my parents are dickheads. Like, even if you're thinking that, they were doing the best that they could. Based on their capacity. Based on their capacity, based on their knowledge, based on their lived experience. And, yeah, and that's not saying that's well. that it's good enough, but it, but it is what it is. And I think, yeah. So when I shared that in terms of vulnerability and stuff, sharing the book itself was a weird space. Like my grandma, Rita, she got it straight away on her Kindle. She was ready for it for the drop on the, I think it was the 9th of June it came out. And she was like, I've got it ready. And she had read it. She's such a fast reader, like. She had read it within like about a week and a half, but she kept like messaging me. I'm on chapter 56. And I was like flicking through like, what is grandma reading? Like, what am I, what have I grasped myself up for here? But you know what? I spoke to her um, a couple of weeks back. I went up to Newcastle and she was like, I've really implemented. And she's like 84. She's like, I've implemented so many things that you said in the book and it's really shifted some things for me. 84, oh, still amazing. learning, still growing. We, Why not? Is, it's just a number. Why Everyone, not? Because you're you know, here, right? If you're, if you're breathing, you're here. We yeah. can change and we can have new outlooks in life at any point. And God, Holly, it's so inspiring listening to you because, yeah, you're just doing you, but by being you and leaning into authenticity and vulnerability, you are giving, not only giving other people permission to do the same, you're just creating a real safe space to normalise all of this stuff because let's face it most of us are in that category right most of us are and we're like I just want to feel like I'm fucking normal I just don't want to feel like I'm alone and yes I want to be seen that's all it is I want to be seen oh my god to be seen is like it's like I've never been seen before when you get seen you're like I've never oh been God. seen before. <laughs> I didn't realize. I'm it feels so me. good to be fully seen and not judged. And I love that because just you give that space of non, you know, it's just like, let's normalize this. Let's bring it together, give people hope, but give them things that they can do to change their lives. Um, oh, just amazing. As always chatting to you. So cool so freaking cool I love just it. keep I, love I know it. you will always but just keep being you well since you because I look to your you know there's not many cultures that I actually look to online and see what they're doing like I will search sometimes I will search your name to actually look and say oh what's she getting up to what's Jill doing and I I love it because we speak the same kind of conversation like we speak the same language and I think by seeing other people in that space where I'm like because again as we said at the beginning sometimes it can get so cloudy with all of the stuff that feels performative feels like if I have this tattoo and this um you know I'm I'm in the right places in Santorini or Bali like if I'm in those places then I'm I'm doing the work and and it, it when people are sat in a cancer house in Hull and they're just like I can't then I can't connect with that like that's that leaves space for people like you and I and I'm not just I'm not saying you can't go to bloody Saturday it's lovely and Bali and all of those things and enjoy those things I'm not saying I'm not trying to be a fun do it for the right right reasons like do it it for the right reasons don't go and take ayahuasca just because you want to get pictures of yourself in Costa Rica do it because you want to feel like you want to explore you want the journey for me I wouldn't I won't do anything unless it's for me and people might think that's selfish it's not I am doing it for me because I am doing it to experience this for me first and if I learn something then I can help people and that's but it's not about doing it for the photos it's doing it because I want to have the best life I want to have the most authentic life where I can do what I'm here to do yeah whatever that looks like at this point and I think that's the, the most beautiful thing and if we can keep doing that I hope that those that have listened have taken something from this and then maybe it just gives you permission to just lean into that like to lean into going do you know what I, I feel like I've been pushing for this and I don't even fucking like it 
like you know we've done that in our space and whether that's you know we've talked a lot about our particular workspace but whatever your workspace is or if you're a stay-at-home mom or whatever you're whatever you do in your world and you feel this expectation of shoulds I should like this I should be doing this and and actually, when you are really honest with yourself, you couldn't give a flying fuck about it. And it's not anything that you're interested in. It like, let this, let this sweary, you know, Scottish and Geordie messaging be, just lean into it. It's okay. You're okay not to like the thing. You're okay to want to do it different. Do you know what is the biggest thing I say to a lot of my clients, and I've definitely referenced this in the book, it's okay to change your mind. Yeah. It's okay to do a full 360. Like it's a full, it's okay to go. Do you know what? I don't know if I do what now. I do. Oh, I do. Maybe I do now again. You don't yeah. have to stay the same. Like it's your it, rules. We only hear once. Like all right, some yeah. people believe in many lives, but I've always grown up with. I don't have. I don't believe in God, so I don't believe in afterlife. This is my time is now. And even if you do believe in afterlife or many lives do this one good like do this one in a way that feels good to you I don't mean good as in performative or what everybody else or your, your mum and dad or your your friends or your partner thinks you should be doing it like like really sit with yourself and go what might feel good to me today to do and what might be my intention for the next year or, or what would I like to do it and, and is where I'm going right now where I actually want to be going or am I stuck on that train track just chug chug chugging because I've not stopped for a minute to actually question whether I still want to become a lawyer or I still want to do this business. Like it's Most okay to go to times. Uh-huh. Yes. Like I, I wanted to do stuff like a year ago that I'm like not not asked about that now. Yeah. And I thought it's like I don't yeah. care. And I don't care that I say to people, like when I I remember doing that, like the course and I'd shared that I was doing it, but I wanted to do it because I wanted to help couples mm-hmm. that have been together long term that struggle with communication right and that was important to me so I shared it and I had like this vision of doing it and I quit after the first weekend and I lost a lot of money but then I thought well fuck it I'm just sharing that I've just quit that because I am being an integrity I'm not and I think that I had now I've not gone back to it yeah, and I'm like, well, I'm, cool I'm not going back to it. Not for me. Not now. I'm not saying it never will be. Yeah. Right now, not for me right now. And I yeah. think that is authenticity, right? That is sharing and saying to people, and you can do that too, by the way. You don't yeah. need to do something because you think it looks good or you think you should be doing it. You do you. And no one knows what's best for you more than you know what's best for you. They really Full don't. Stop. all your links for your book <laughs> for the you. happy me project for the membership um all of the links in the show notes anything you want to add before we wrap up Oh, we have covered it all. I, I think we've we've hit all the messaging, all the points. But comment, you know, feel free, uh, those that are listening, to come and say hi. On I'm usually hanging out on Instagram. If you message me on Facebook, I will never see it. It's a minefield on that space. But come and say hi. Let me know you've come from this podcast. And, and you know, fight, really, I think a, a biggest thing around this work is that although we've talked lots about personal responsibility, which I know we both really, really are passionate about, you can still find the right people to hang out with and the right spaces to feel like I often describe the Happy Me Project membership as a safe place to land. Like mm. it can you can find your safe place to land, like just somewhere where or some people, just your community that just feels like they get you. Like that, you know, you mentioned about being seen, like that you can find as you're on your own personal journey, it's still okay. You don't have to be isolated from everybody else and and you know, find those spaces that can just support that whatever that looks like it might be me it might be you Jill it might be somebody else and there's no judgment from me or one or from you on on what that looks like but I hope that if you've taken something from this that it's really leaning into what feels good to you and that you are the key person here you are the the, the captain and all of that you are in the driving seat and and trust yourself more befriend yourself a little and trust yourself you're not alone love it Holly, as always, thank you so much. You're so welcome.